Welcome to Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything cinematic. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. Boom. Welcome to the last week before cinemas open. Like, this is weird. I mean... What, what is going to change? Is anyone going to go out to the cinemas? I hope so. Uh, and if obviously you do it safely, but if you don't want to, there's there's streaming options as well. We're going to start the show today with a little bit backwards because we want to start on a negative note <laughs> because we think you're going to laugh at our little rant about this. And then we're going to talk about all the positive stuff of the cinemas opening um, just afterwards. So the reason why we're going to talk about something on a negative note is because our first film of the day, both Van and I messaged each other when we were watching this and we really struggled, didn't we, Van? <laughs> I, oh, I, I just, I, I've been processing my thoughts for days. <laughs> and I just, oh, you know what it's, I mean? It's, it's, it's oh, I struggle with this. And you know, part of the thing I really struggle with is because before I started watching it, I noticed that as ever, it had like glowing reviews from everyone who ever owned a cardigan. And I was like, oh, good God. Oh, this is going to be a long-ass morning. Put the movie on and then came out at the end of it and went, yep, yep, should have known. Yeah, absolutely yeah. should have known. So we're talking about the movie Under Gods, which sounds like it could be this big superhero, cool thing. And I was like, Van sent me the, the, the title of it. I looked it up and I was like, cool, okay, I'm down with this. The poster looks cool. And then here's my experience. I couldn't stay awake. I fell asleep twice. I had to text Van about it. In fact, just before we came on air just now, I did say to Van, hold your thoughts this is better to keep on air because we had already started ranting. Van, I don't even know what the synopsis is. Can you pull together any idea as to what this film is about? Right, okay. in theory, and by in theory, I mean this is what they've listed on IMDb. Okay. It is, you know, an ensemble drama, disconnected tales, you know, of a dystopian Europe. And there's, that, that's what they just say. It's a tale of, you know, an ensemble drama and dystopian Europe. I'm like, okay, bit, bit vague. And then you watch the film, you're like, okay, that's why it's a bit vague. Notice this is about the point we'd normally play a clip. Yeah. And, well, this, this should be very telling for you. The film is in the English language, so we're not not doing a clip because it's subtitled. We're not doing a clip because even the trailer for this thing is 90% synth music interspersed between the occasional sporadic line of dialogue much like the film yeah gotcha yeah and do you know what like i it started off promising like there was like some weird dead body on the ground <laughs> like, you know chuck it into the back of their car as like oh where's this going and then it all kind of takes place in different like rooms and people are just chatting and it is dull as dishwater it's basically do you know what i was i was thinking about this the other day and i was going how am i going to even talk about this um the word ensemble piece with this it's like there is no one guiding you through this movie there is nothing that kind of brings everything together that you kind of need it to be actually for it to be a comp um a, like a comparable movie i think it just has nothing to it. It's like a bad short film extended for an hour and a half. 
<laughs> there is an attempt, an anchoring force. There's there's two guys, K and Z or something like that, who are like scavengers, who are like out in the world, you know, like looking for dead bodies and like robbing them and things. Um, and I think they're meant to, they, they're somewhat of the narrators. We introduced them at the beginning of the film. I think they're meant to be the narrators. Are they but it's kind of their body? Yeah, exactly. I think they're meant to be, which very, it's too sporadic, isn't it? Like they're not Ooh. in the film enough for you to consider that to be the case. And even the term ensemble drama kind of requires a sense of cohesion and coherence. And yeah, you know what I mean? Like Pulp Fiction is an ensemble drama <laughs> that's yeah. a disconnected narrative. There are ties, it works together. Incidentally, uh, anniversary of Pulp Fiction was, I think, yesterday. Incidentally, but watch, um, that, watch that ensemble drama, not this yeah, one. Watch that ensemble, not <laughs> this one. I, I mean, the best part is there's things about this I should love. Ned Dennehy's in this, Bern Gorman's in this, you know. Like, there's actors I really like this, but clearly they've only been, you know, they all, there was only the budget to get them in for like a day here or there, kind of thing. And like all of Bern Gorman's scenes seem to take place in this one office set, this one like yeah. GP surgery office oh, set. It's so weird. Like, oh, and it is this disheveled just completely uninteresting narrative but the worst part is it's well made like it's well directed the cinematography is really good the score that synthwave score is really really powerful i did like the synth at the beginning it kind of got me yeah. like i was like oh 80s vibes quite like this let's see where this is going unfortunately it just didn't go anywhere <laughs> exactly, it doesn't go anywhere. You're sat there watching this, and don't get me wrong, it is quite short. I know it's only like 80 minutes or something like that, but believe me, you will pay for every single one of those 80 minutes. You will be made to pay for that. And it's just, an, I found it an ordeal. I came away from it thinking, and the best part is it has a central message in every, in nearly every single one of its stories. Its central message is capitalism is bad. Now, I thought either it was, through... I thought it was don't watch this movie. I thought that was... Well, there is that. There, that yeah, that's, no, that, that's, the, that's the super text. I'm talking about the subtext. Yeah. The super text is don't watch this movie. The subtext is capitalism is bad. You know, greed is not good. And I'm just sort of thinking, I'm watching this film thinking... I know this will have been filmed before the pandemic, but really, after the last 14 to 15 months, did anybody really need this message, you know, hammering home? This is like watching a grainy VHS, a worn VHS copy of Blade Runner, whilst simultaneously having the lyrics to the Internationale shouted at you from some communist student protester. I think that's a really good way of describing it, actually. That fundamentally, we, that, you know what, Van and I said, we're not even sure how we can talk about this for five minutes. Like, we did, we managed we, it. We managed it, we've gone over. So I'm gonna wrap ah. this up, because uh, I promised you after the negative, there is gonna be a ray of hope and we'll talk about the positive. So let's move on. I mean, look, I think you can gather from both of us, there's gonna be zero thumbs for this movie <laughs> whatsoever. But it's always nice to hear a little bit of a rant from both of us. Actually, on a, on a cinematic level, on an artistically cinematic level, I'll give it a thumb because as a showreel ah. piece, very good. Oh, Chino, Moya, Chino Moya directing, very good job. Writing, infinitely less so. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, swings and roundabouts. It, it's, it's not an entertaining film or interesting film by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a nice-looking film, and it sounds nice. Yeah, OK, fine. Well, that's a nice ray of hope from you. Um, speaking of rays of hope, um, the cinemas do open from Monday. It kicks off with some family fun for um, Peter Rabbit 2, which... I mean, 
I'm not that excited about. You're quite excited. You like the first one, right? No. Oh. No, no, I don't think the first one should exist. I mean, don't get me wrong. Power to them because it made money and everything. And, and oh, yeah, there's a, Peter, cool. there's a Peter Rabbit movie franchise in existence. That's a good yeah. thing. You know, I don't, I'm never going to say that's a bad thing. No. no, it's a good thing. There are kids who will now be exposed. My nephew will discover Peter Rabbit and evidently watches the TV spin-off of that movie. You know, now he was really looking forward to uh, the second one. Oh, he was one year old at the time, but you know he seems to get excited by uh, by Peter Rabbit. And I mentioned Peter Rabbit to him the other day. Now that he's walking and talking, he's what like nearly three now, and very excited, well up for it. Now here's my interesting thing: the cinema supposedly reopened on the seventeenth officially, right? Yeah. I went to because obviously we, we have our pressure schedules and things, and we all have we have links and things. You don't have to go in. You don't have to go in this first week because we've still got links written on. However, there aren't links of Peter Rabbit, so I thought, I'm not going all the way to London from Cambridge just to watch Peter Rabbit. There are cinemas here. Mm. I'll just I'll just pop, I'll fork out the seven or eight quid it costs to see a film first thing on a Monday morning. I'll go and see Peter Rabbit. Most of the cinemas aren't open here until the middle of the bloody week. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, I found one. I found one. Luckily, the view is open. Yeah, I have seen that, and I have seen that some... So there are other movies that are out this week, but some cinemas are not necessarily showing them, but I think they should. So on streaming, you will have seen things like Sound of Metal and also mm. Nomadland, big Oscar contenders. If you want to see these, particularly Nomadland, on the big screen, you're able to do that. Raya and the Last Dragon, finally coming out in cinemas as well. Fantastic animation. So there's options for all the family. If you are gagging to go to the cinema... There are options if you are wanting to see, and I think Raya and the Last Dragon, if you can catch that on the big screen, will look amazing. I'd enjoy um, that in IMAX. I think. Yeah, if I could see that in IMAX, I'd be quite happy. Yeah, Do you know the one I, uh, I think will be quite a decent draw, like a, very, a mid draw, I think, say so decent, will be the Angelina one. Uh, oh, the forest one. Yeah, yeah, those wish be dead, which obviously opens on Monday with the cinemas. Um, other than that, it's pretty much down. It's, it's pretty much a two-hand race between Spiral and Peter Rabbit too. Well, there we go. But the week after, there's more stuff that's new coming out. So hold off a little bit. We'll obviously bring you all of the new releases next week, but I think the week after, it will start ramping up, all being good with um, with the world that we're living in, the new normal. So we'll have to wait and see. But don't worry, we've got you sorted because when we come back, we've got all of your movies on TV as per usual. Welcome back to Off Screen and keeping you on that sofa for what we hope is, you know, the last week that your sofa is your primary source of entertainment. You know, unless you feel that you prefer your safety on the sofa, which is completely understandable. We've got your films on freeview for the following seven days. And we're going to start on Saturday night with, I think this was, was this Duncan Jones's second big yeah. film? I think because it was think Moon so. in 2009. And yeah. then it's 2010 or 2011, we get... Our cool. first entry for the week. Take us away, Miss Perfect. Where, where are we going to go? Well, we, we, I'll tell you where we're not going to go. Because, and I know, I, I know you're not bitter about this, but I did choose this over the film that you really wanted to talk about, which is the brilliant Con Air, which is also around on Saturday night. But we are talking about Source Code. Um, so yeah, Duncan Jones, David Bowie's son, has brought a Source Code BBC Two, eleven twenty p.m. Stars Jake Gyllenhaal as a army pilot um, who is recruited for a top secret operation he finds himself in the body of an unknown man and he's then on this mysterious trail to track down the bomber of a Chicago commuter train. With one slight twist, however, on that concept, because that's a good concept, and I would watch that movie. That sounds like a, that, that's a good enough movie just there, isn't it? However, what if it's also Groundhog Day? Hey, how you doing? Good morning. You work at Walter Reed? Yeah, I used to. Um... 
I'm in the military. You're in the just... military? Yeah, yeah, I am. I was wondering... And what was going on down there? Oh, you know, uh, we were just having a little bit of an argument, actually, about, about this patch. Is that you what know... they train you to do? Assault civilians? Oh, man, please, do any of these letters, they look familiar to you. Do you know what the N stands for? It's Air Force and the N stands for Nellis. Can I borrow your phone? I thought you were going to give away quite a big plot twist. And if I wasn't, if I was in the same room as you, I would have probably strangled you across the mics. However, we're a, we're apart at the moment, so that was fine. And you 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 saved yourself. Um, I love I love this film. Um, I haven't seen it nearly enough uh, in the last few years, and I really I'm gonna I'm gonna add the record button on this and watch it because it is on quite late. I think I've only seen it the I, I saw this on theatrical I think I maybe watched it when it yeah, came to too. Home End and I've not watched it since it is on like when I say when I say fairly regular I mean like once every three months say. It's one of those films that just turns up every three months for instance um, I do remember the uh, especially when we put the clips together just looking at the cast of it and it was like Michelle Monaghan was in there I remember mm-hmm. and uh, Vera Farmio I quite like. I think Jeffrey Wright's in this as well and, and I don't know if you caught this but because of the, uh, let's just say, physical element of it and the time loop element of it, there is a cameo from a certain iconic 1980s sci-fi TV actor in there who has a voice cameo as uh, uh, what's his, was it Jake Hall's father. Ooh. Which, mm, and put it this way, he doesn't say his famous catchphrase, which is, of course, oh boy. But otherwise... The voice is fairly recognisable. It's none other than Scott Bakula, as, <gasps> his... uh, as in, uh, as in like Quantum Leap. As Sam Bakula, Sam Beckett, Captain Archer. Yeah, is Jake Gyllenhaal's dad in this? You only hear him over the phone once, once or twice, I think, briefly. But that is Scott Bakula. Oh, good. And that is intentional. Do you know what? Mm. That in itself, apart from this being a very good film, is worth is worth watching it for that reason alone. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a source code. If you haven't seen it before. Like you say, like Van said, it is it is a bit like Groundhog Day, but I love when they change the format of like a Groundhog Day and and, and move it in a in a more sort of um, lateral kind of way, and that's what this does. Duncan Jones, brilliant director, fantastic performance from uh, particularly Jake Gyllenhaal in this, and then you get to listen to Scott Bakula even on a couple of <laughs> a couple of cameos. What's not to love? That source code is on BBC Two, eleven twenty p.m. on your Saturday night. Well worth your time. Well worth your time on Sunday is a great animation, isn't it? This was, this is the franchise that wasn't, isn't it? This was meant yeah. to be a trilogy, I think. Now, if I'm remembering this correctly, I think I might be getting this, I think I'm getting this the right way around. It's Peter Jackson producing, Steven Spielberg directing, or is it, it might be Spielberg directing, Peter Jackson producing. It's The Adventures of Tintin, yeah. The Secrets of the Unicorn, which was meant to be the start of a trilogy. It's performed, I believe the actors performed the film in motion capture, and it is then animated to form a sort of updated style of the classic French cartoon. Uh, is it French or Belgian? Belgian. 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 Uh, Tintin, the young boy detective, going off on an adventure with his faithful dog, Snowy, to find the long-lost ship, the Unicorn, which he, of course, discovers as a a ship-in-a-bottle model in a local marketplace. Triple mastered. Double decks. Fifty guns. Isn't she a beauty? That's a very unique specimen, that is, from an old sea captain's estate. The unicorn. 
unicorn. Man of war sailing ship. Mm. It's very old, that is. 16th century. 17th, I would think. Reign of Charles I. Charles II. That's what I said, Charles II. As fine a ship as ever sailed the seven seas. You won't find another one at ease, mate. And it's only two quid. I remember going to see this in the cinema and being absolutely blown away by it. Um, mm. The animation was amazing. I loved the pace of it, the storyline, everything. It all just worked. And I am shocked that this didn't make it into a franchise because there are much lesser animations out there that have at least got a sequel. <laughs> I think a big part of the problem was they had not... First of all, it didn't really catch on at all, to be honest. Um, the Spielberg name, and even with Peter Jackson as well, I think it's... Uh, is it not Russell T. David, the other one. Uh, Doctor Who writer works on this, I think, or Joe Cornish, I forget now. Um, the problem is, as my own partner proved... Americans didn't care about Tintin. Miriam has never heard of Tintin. Oh. Like, she's she's our age. She has never heard of Tintin. I had to literally wow. just say, boy, boy detective with a little dog. And <laughs> she had no idea. The film just simply didn't catch on. And as a result, you know, this was a very expensive and time-consuming film to make. There were rumblings for a little while. They were going to try and do this, the, one of the sequels, and they were make it cheaper. It just didn't happen. And when you look at the cast and the talent that was involved, you had Jamie Bell, who you could hear in the clip there, as, as yep. Tintin himself. I think Andy Serkis is his sort of sidekick for this adventure, and Daniel Craig is the villain. So it's not exactly a low-profile effort. This has got some talent behind it, but I think... It had, I mean, everything made less it didn't have the global, offhand. Yeah, it didn't have the global pull, and that's the that's mm. the problem with it. And and I think as much as here in the UK we we love it, and we you know, and obviously Belgium, um, but um, as as much as like there are fans, we just don't have the capacity that the global pull would have. For people loving this, so I, I, get, I get your point. I did a, I did an interview with uh, Scott Mendelson, uh, recently film critic for Forbes, and very, very big into franchises and box office trends. That guy, and he was, he pointed out that 2011 was a gloat for uh, for animated films in particular, particularly computer animated computer animated films. Mm. Uh, when you look at what was out that year, and he rattled off a list, and you forget how many CG animated, family-friendly films were in cinemas that year. It's not terribly surprising that Tintin being a relatively unknown commodity versus everything else that was out would see it hobbled a little bit. I mean, even Hoodwink 2, I think, made more money than yeah. uh, than uh, Secret of the Unicorn, sadly. But, you know, but it's worth a watch either way. Yeah, in terms of quality alone, this is mm. a movie well worth watching. So that is available for you on Sunday on 4 at 2.15pm. A great Sunday afternoon movie, actually. Moving on to Monday, uh, we have a movie on ITV4, 11.10pm, another late one for you. This is Zero Dark Thirty. This is... This is the film that I found incredibly exciting in the build-up to it and actually underwhelming when I watched it, but still worth a watch to some extent. It, it, and stick with me, I've just seen your face as I've said that. Um, oh, no, I, was, I was agreeing with you, though, to be fair. Just okay, fine, I'm fine. I thought you were like, no, this is like the best thing since sliced bread. Um, it's a, it's, it follows a group of CIA operatives led by an analyst um, who spent over a decade tracking the location of one of the most dreaded names in the USA. Of course, it's Osama bin Laden. This is the filmic retelling of what really happened. So Patrick, be honest with me. You really believe this story? I mean, no offense, no offense. I know, but Osama bin Laden. Yeah. What part convinced you? Her confidence. That's the kind of 
concrete data point I'm looking for. I'll tell you, buddy, her confidence is the one thing that's keeping me from getting in a Pakistani prison, I'm gonna be honest with you, bro. I'm cool with it. <laughs> Chris Pratt there in a role that we forgot he had. And this is, you know when you were saying like you saw it and it was a bit, you know, un underwhelming. Yeah. Isn't that all Catherine Bigelow movies though? Like all Catherine Bigelow movies are, we've got a really killer hook for a movie. It's gonna be gritty and real. But you know what? It, it's not going to be like exciting. It's uh, going to be like hard and cold. You know what I mean? Point break. Point break. Exception. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of modern Catherine Bigelow. I'm thinking of Hurt Locker. This yeah. Detroit yeah. Catherine Bigelow. You know what I mean? The yeah. the Oscar. I'm thinking of the Oscar winning Catherine Bigelow. <laughs> very very different lady to Point Break Near Dark Catherine Bigelow. And this uh, written by Mark Bowl with, with whom she we would reteam on uh, uh, Detroit as well. Really? And as far as I remember, this wasn't meant to be about Bin Laden. This was meant to be about the hunt for, but then during production, they got Bin Laden and they had to change the movie and then it became, you know, the would be, I'd, I'd imagine it would have been an Oscar contender either way. But, it was, uh, it It's was. an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, there were nominations for mm. uh, Ch Jessica Chastain in that. Um, it was up for, well, only two Oscar nominations, Best Sound Editing and then Best Actress. So um, interesting, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride for poor old Jessica Chastain. But <laughs> I thought she gave it a good run of it in this movie. And I, I do still think it's worth your watch. It just didn't give me the thrill and the excitement mm. of like when I watched the news with that amazing photo of Obama in the room watching the actual kind of killing take place. That was more exciting for me than watching this movie. But hey-ho, look, I think it's, it's, a, it's a, the moment in time that is captured in film and I think it's worth your watch. Absolutely. Welcome back to Off Screen. We are keeping you on your couch and continuing your week-long look at what great movies are on TV for you. And you know what? The 90s, stellar decade for great movies. It started with 1990, obviously, but it's also started with Flatliners that came out that year. And you guys can watch Flatliners on the Horror Channel at 9pm on Tuesday. Um, this, for anyone who doesn't know, is the story of five medical students who decide to conduct a very dangerous experiment to learn more about what the afterlife is like. Um, things, however, obviously, as you can imagine, because it's on the Horror Channel, Take a turn for the worst. Dave. All right, atrophy intratracheal. Come on. That is a truckload, Dave. Come Come on, this has got to work. This has got to work. Come on, back, Nelson. Come on, back, man. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, Nelson. Come on. Come on, Nelson. Come on, Nelson. Come, come on, on Nelson. Come on, back. He's been dead 10 minutes. Two with Nelson. Tell him. Three with Nelson. No, he's not in V-Fib. No blood pressure. He's dead. Epiatricardial. No, Rachel, no. Just do it. Uh, we are not talking about the 2017 remake with Ellen Page and Nina Dobrev. We are not That's talking about That's politer than what I said. Yes, it is. I just thought I'd get in there early um, and caveat that. <laughs> we are talking about this is like this is like the the your dream team of 90s actors here. Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, Julia Roberts is in this. William Baldwin, Oliver Platt. Um, you know there are so uh, so many great moments in this, and it's uh, it is one of those films like it's it's like this. It's um, um, what are other, like all, all it's missing is like Winona Ryder at this point. <laughs> like, 
I feel like they should have had someone like that in it. You know, you're, you're reeling off names of really cool people involved in this film. You're missing, for my money, the two coolest people after Kiefer Sutherland. And they are, of course, the director, the late, great Joel Schumacher, and its cinematographer, who would become a director himself, the great Yander Bond, who brought us Twister and Speed, and unfortunately also Speed 2 Cruise Control. Uh, give me time. I wasn't even on that. I was only on the cast list. What are you on about? <laughs> well, those are the talent <laughs> for me. <laughs> um, I thought I'd just missed some really key people off the cast. And I was like, how have I done this? No, look, I love the concept of this. You know, mm. people thinking, oh, what's it like, you know, to see the afterlife? You know, can you get close to that point of death? And you can see how this can turn into a horror and how this can kind of really mess with you. Nothing is done better than the 1990 version of this. Okay, so go back see it it again definitely don't watch the 2017 version um i said to van i don't i don't even remember if i watched the 2017 version and van was like we reviewed it two years ago and i said well if it was particularly bad it goes out of my mind so (laughs) that's probably the case in this the interesting thing about the about the remake is that it is set up as a semi-sequel as in Kiefer Sutherland does turn up in it as what was originally intended to be an older version of his surviving character from this film but it never gets acknowledged in the film. It's kind of like Jake Busey turning up in The Predator, where right. if you're paying really close attention, he is he's connected to the original mythology and ties in. Uh, Jake Busey, for instance, famously played Gary, the son of Gary Busey's character from Predator yeah. 2. In this case, you know, keeps on just carrying on. But it never gets acknowledged. It just becomes about uh, the likes of Diego Luna and Ellen Page and uh, and, and Nina Debrev. Elliot and Page, actually, sorry. Apologies, well, Elliot Page now. Not Elliot, Elliot. Well, Elliot Page now, but I think yeah. still credited on the on, on the film as, as, as Ellen Page. And uh, whoever the boyfriend guy is from Good, from Good Girls, which is a series I'm weirdly addicted to, I must admit. No idea. No idea. No? But that says, that says a lot about you. Um, <laughs> so Flatline is, look, is excellent. Um, it's well worth your time if you haven't seen it before. And it's a good little trip back to the 90s as well. It's on the Horror Channel, 9pm Tuesday. I know that this man who is co-hosting this show with me is absolutely itching to tell you what is up on Wednesday night. I'm just going to leave it straight over to you. Brace yourself, Bex. I'm about to change your world. Okay. Back in 2003, there was a film distributed by Warner Brothers that starred the greatest martial arts arts performer of the day, the great Jet Li. At that point, fresh off the heels of the likes of Romeo Must Die and The One, which also started then starting out Jason Statham. And he teamed up in this with a then fresh off the heels of Exit Wounds, DMX. The film in question was Cradle to the Grave, beginning an opening with an amazing track, one of my favourite openings to a movie, in which Eminem's, Eminem and DMX collaborate on a single called Go to Sleep with Obi Tri over a sequence in which DMX removes the door from the bank vault by strapping it to a rocket launcher and firing across the room. That is literally a thing that happens. It is then a movie in which a master thief, Tony Fate, played by DMX, because he has a very, he had, sorry, had a very specific kind of character that he liked to play. He loved playing a, a, a sort of Robin Hood type character. Um, steals these black diamonds that, a, uh, that he then finds himself being pursued from every angle to get a hold of. Um, he's then... Uh, forced to basically trade the diamonds for his kidnapped daughter, teaming up with a Chinese intelligence agent along the way, played by Jet Li. So it becomes Jet Li and DMX teaming up 
to take on the LA mob, taking on international terrorists, taking on cartels, literally everyone you can think of. We've not got a clip for this because there's a lot of physical violence in it, so it doesn't really translate to audio, and also a lot of cursing. So we'd mostly be listening to Punch, Punch, Bleep, which is not really a thing. I will say, this movie features a quad bike chase in which Je- in which DMX is chased by the LAPD to the sound of X Gone Give It To You. He literally sings over his own movie. That is a pure Idris Elba move. I appreciate that. Uh, Jet Li, meanwhile, in a cage match, takes on the likes of Randy Couture, Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell before then getting into it with Mark Dacascos. Now that, for me, is worth a movie on its own. You've also got a cast that includes, as the comic relief, Anthony Anderson and Tom Arnold, as the love interest slash sassy girl sidekick, Gabrielle Union, and my personal favourite, Kelly Who. I love Kelly Who. Alongside Michael Jace, a pre-prison, then still starring on The Shield, Michael Jace, and Chi McBride. If you've never seen this movie, you've got to see it. It is an absolute banger of an action flick. It's just it's out there. It's it's really out there. It's really, really fun. Little bit problematic at times, you know, 20 years later. But, you know, it was 2003. We can sort of move on and, and make peace with that, I think. Anthony Anderson's still funny, regardless of that scene very, very early on in it, in which he has to seduce a gay security guard, which doesn't really warrant much discussion, I think. We can't really add much to that. But the film is great. The soundtrack's kick-ass. The fight choreography's amazing. Absolutely see this. I'm not sure if he likes it. Um, <laughs> but that is Cradle to the Grave. I'm not saying anything else. I think fans covered absolutely everything apart from you actually going to watch this movie. So Paramount Channel, 9pm Wednesday, Cradle to the Grave. Uh, watch it just for X going to give it to you, the soundtrack alone. Um, moving on to Thursday uh, on ITV4, 9pm. I cannot believe that we don't think we've ever covered this um, or mentioned it. And I had to question this with Van. It is The Blues Brothers, um, one of the brilliant films that I grew up watching. I'm sure, Van, same for you as well. Um, it's re- it unites John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd together. This is post-SNL uh, teaming up for them, and they've turned their little skit into a big movie. Um, and it follows these brothers after um, Jake gets released from prison. He reunites with his brother Elwood. They are known as The Blues Brothers. Jake's first task is to save the orphanage the brothers grew up in from closing by raising $5,000 to pay back taxes. How are they going to do it? We'll have to watch the movie to find out. We got two hunkies out there dressed like Hasidic diamond merchants. Say what? They look like they're from the CIA or something. What they want to eat? The tall one wants white bread, toast, dry, with nothing on it. Elwood. And the other one wants... Four whole fried chickens and a Coke. And Jake, the Blues Brother. Hi, Jake. Matt! Hi, what? what are you doing? How you doing? How was Joliet? Oh, it's bad. On Thursday night, they serve a wicked pepper steak. Can't be as bad as the cabbage roll at the Terre Haute Federal Pen. Or that oatmeal at the Cook County Slammer. Oh, they are all pretty bad. I will never, for the rest of my life, understand how the late, great John Belushi did deadpan so well, given the yeah. sheer volume of coke that we know was in his system. <laughs> it's it's just insane to me. But um, I don't know if you heard in that clip Aretha Franklin there, who, of course, yeah. gets to sing Three Guesses What. Uh, I mean, we remember Blues Brothers as equally for the soundtrack as we do for the great gags, for the epic comedy, and it's truly, truly 
god-awful sequel, which might be one of the worst sequels ever made. And I am not exaggerating. It is bad. But this is a classic. Absolutely watch this. You will see very quickly, I think, why this is the, the iconic work that is, why this is the cultural touchstone that it became. And it was that perfect fusion of... Of Motown with Saturday Night Live with yeah. you know, 80s comedy with yeah. the National Lampoon scene and things like that and perfect casting in Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi loved it thought it was great yeah it is absolutely brilliant now also something that is absolutely brilliant and is going to round off your week fantastically is a film starring Susan Sarandon it stars Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Cher. It's one of my favourite films of all time. It is uh, The Witches of Eastwick on BBC One at 10.45pm on your Friday night. What a way to end the week. I mean, uh, uh, you know, again, there were lots of good choices for a Friday night. I had to pick this because I'm in charge. And, <laughs> and what are your thoughts on The Witches of Eastwick? I mean, it's, a, it's spawned like a musical. There's so many great things to this, but the original, I love it. I'm just saying it's probably a good thing that you pick because if I'd had my way, we would have wound up with two Jet Li movies two days I know. But, uh, I, I will, And also, I get this confused with The Witches. So when you were reeling off the cast, I'm like, hang on, she's missing out Angelica Houston. What's that? Called? And that's what it is. Because um, they came out when I was... A, they both seemed to come out when I was a, a very specific age. Mm. Seven or eight years old when these movies came out. Um, Eastwick is, I think, still being remade at this moment in time. But oh. it is an it is an iconic work. I think it is one of those performances that is it's Jack Nicholson as he was starting to finally go into his properly older years. Yeah, and it was a very concerted effort on his part to show that he still had it. In fact, I tell you what, I will demonstrate thusly. Here is Jack Nicholson, now an old man, you know, kind of like he is now, being controlled and attacked by witches mid-rant. I want to ask you something. You're all church-going folk. I really want to ask you something. Do you think God knew what he was doing when he created woman? Huh? I really want to know. Or do you think it was just another one of his minor mistakes, like tidal waves, earthquakes, floods? You think women are like that? This is like sexy witches. This is the original kind of like sexy witches. There, there, there are so many sexy moments in this movie. I, I, I just think it all round, it's brilliant. The cherry sequence in this is, is a little bit bleh, but overall, Jack Nicholson is the devil and those wonderful actresses, Cher, Michelle Pfeiffer and Susan Sarandon are all very three different witches and it is utter brilliance. BBC One, 10.45pm, Friday night. Go out with a bang on that night. And we'll be back very shortly with streaming stuff for you because there's lots coming up on Amazon Prime and Netflix. Welcome back for one last ride off screen. And you know what? There's nothing out on DVD and Blu-ray this week because I think the world ran out of movies finally over the course of the past year. And uh, we have got, however, some streaming offerings for you. So, Miss Perfect, one that I, I think you will have seen, I think you quite liked actually as well, on Amazon Prime next Wednesday, the 19th, you will be able to stream. And I really love this movie. I called this... The, the contemporary answer to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Which is Ryan Reynolds in, P in, I think the official title is Pokemon colon Detective Pikachu. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it is. And I actually really, yeah, I did really love it. It's got Justice Williams in it. Is that right? Just Justice Smith. Justice Smith, Smith sorry. Why did I say Justice Williams? Justice Smith. And actually, I thought, I thought Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu was hilarious. And it's what you need. He is your he is your go-to for something like this. If you just need it to be that borderline offensive, but actually you can still watch it with kids. Um, he can make that work really well. <laughs> um, and actually the worlds they created, so I think they shot some of this in London, um, mm. like around Canary Wharf. And the mixing in of the world of Pokemon living in our live action world worked so well on this movie mm. i'd happily watch this again um and you know I, I i grew up with pokemon i wasn't a pokemon card collector or anything like that but i appreciate it and i kind of know the general kind of who the pokemon characters are and this didn't feel too kiddie for me which i really liked yeah, I mean, I think the because it's a live action CG hybrid, so the Pokemon's themselves yeah. are CG. Everything else is live action. The actual blending, e- even without blending the Pokemon world with the human world, the human world itself, which is a sort of international mashup. So you walk down one street that's London, and you're on the next street that's Paris. I think mm. is really, really well designed. Uh, it is, of course, the story of you know a teenage sort of teenage college age boy searching for his missing dad, <clears throat> well, he's presumed dead, so he's trying to solve the mystery, find him, or whatever. And he teams up with uh, his father's amnesiac partner, his Pokemon, Pikachu, a yeah. talking, de- talking detective Pokemon who only our lead can see in here. He was, of course, voiced by none other than Van Wilder himself, Ryan Reynolds. And when you talk about the tone, the things that will just fly over the heads of kids, have a listen for yourself. Wow. I'd like to see this guy's internet search history. Who are you? Let's see where this goes. Tell him you're my new partner. I'm his uh, new partner. Well, that Pikachu Thunderbolt almost wrecked my prized Charizard. Last time he was here. Oh, this car's still fresh. All I hear are consonants and all I see are nipples. And you know what? He ruined my coat, man. Look at this. I'm so sorry. Forget the coat. Where's his shirt? See, this, this, because of Ryan Reynolds in this, this does what I think every, firstly, every animated movie should be benchmarked again is, can it appeal to adults as well as kids? And this, Mm. like I say, without pushing it too far, like Deadpool far, he gets in, just like we heard in that clip just then, just about the nipples, like just that little (laughs) thing that's gonna get the adults chuckling to themselves, but the kids Mm. are gonna be none the wiser and are just kind of gonna enjoy it for what it is. It's a great cast in this as well. Isn't Bill Bill Nye's in this, isn't he? Yeah, Yeah, there's some great visuals as well. Do you know what? This is an all-rounder. This is a really mm. good movie that I have to say I'm a little bit surprised that it didn't, it hasn't yet got a sequel. Do we know if there's anything in production or if we're expecting? I've not from? heard anything offhand. The, the, I think it was uh, it was attempted to be the start of a franchise. It certainly made some money. I know it wasn't a huge like billion-dollar hit, but it was a few hundred mil. I think it took. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, look, I, I, I think it's worth your time, especially if it's on Amazon Prime. Watch this at your leisure. It comes out on Wednesday, um, and it, it, it's so much fun for all the family. So if you're not ready to go to the cinema and watch Peter Rabbit 2 or anything like that, this is a great option for mm. you to watch something from home. Um, now, there is a, Van has pulled this <laughs> list together, right? And I'm, I'm questioning... He's got a smile on his face. I'm questioning this next pick, which comes out on Thursday. It's also on Amazon Prime. It well, I'll let Van talk through why we won't have seen this 
as a screener. Um, but you guys may have seen it when it hit the big screen in 2018. It's Holmes and Watson. Why have you put this on the list? First of all, I don't think many people saw this in the cinema when I went in 2018. <laughs> this is famously a complete stone-cold turkey. This thing got dumped into cinemas on Boxing Day in... I think it was Boxing Day or the 27th in, in 2018. And I know this because I went to the public screening and saw it. There were no press shows. Not only were there no press shows, its studio actively, vigorously tried to dump it, tried to get rid of it. They offered this to Netflix for next to nothing, and Netflix just went, oh, God, no. Like, <laughs> And, and the, the quote was, even we don't want this. That was the quote that came out at the time. So Netflix was very different three years ago. And it is, of course, the this has been coming for a long time. I think it was meant to come out originally as a rival to the, uh, the Robert Downey Jr. Jude Law one. In the same way that Robin Hood Men in Tights had been intended to open around the time of Prince of Thieves. It wound up opening two years later. This followed an even longer development hell-related path. And this is uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, who, of course, now are reteaming in this one, having starred in things like Talladega Night, Step Brothers, and this doesn't even deserve to be mentioned in the same breath. It is an idiotic version. It's meant to be effectively what happens if Sherlock and, and Watson are idiots, which had already been done as a movie in the late 80s with Michael Caine as an idiot at Sherlock Holmes and the idea of, of that movie without a clue was that in actuality Watson was the one who was going around and solving all the mysteries and Holmes was effectively the mascot the poster boy this is just they're idiots anyway here's a clip of them sending a drunken text I should like to send a telegram Grace stop are you awake <laughs> stop <laughs> You're such a pretty doctor, lady. Mm. Uh, I'm quite sure this is a good idea. This is wonderful. The, the combination of the late hour and your drunkenness allows for communication of exceptional honesty. Quite right. I will call it an intoxograph. And no one shall ever regret sending one. Now, lay bare the fruits of your inebriation. Ask her what she's wearing. What are you wearing? Stop. What are you wearing? Bloomers. <laughs> I couldn't, wouldn't, and will not watch it. Yep, about 90 minutes. There. Do you want to know something else that's amusing about this? Like I say, they, they, they tried to sell this to add to Netflix. Netflix said, even we don't want this. And now it's on Amazon Prime. So enjoy streaming on Amazon Prime. You're not streaming it on Netflix, that's for damn sure. <laughs> it's like, look, I think, that, I think what we can say to you lovely listeners is... If out of pure curiosity you want to go and turn this on, it's why it's don't on do our it. list. Don't <laughs> do it. Well, no, we need just, to justify why we put it on the list. <laughs> because, I think because I was just... Well, first of all, we, we didn't have a lot of options, but I think just remembering that this film exists, I, I had to I had to talk about it. I was filled with this. Oh, my God, I'd forgotten about that. I have to talk about it. There is a sequence in this in which Will Ferrell invents the selfie by taking a 19th century camera on a pole and, li and literally yeah. doing like a selfie stick. And it's that kind of... It's bad. It is really, really bad. I mean, oh. Rebecca Hall's been in some turkeys, but good. I, do you know what? I, 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 I hope this bought her the loveliest of houses. I really I was going to say, this has got to be a money job. Like, there is no other reason. Like, this doesn't feel like, for, for Will Ferrell, John C. Riley. like, this doesn't feel like 
anything other than the studio saying, we'll just pay you a lot of money, just do it. Um, I mean, I can see why you would do it, because obviously Talladega Nights and Step Brothers are not exactly slack efforts. I mean, Step Brothers one of the best comedies of this century. But, I mean, really? Like, this... You, you put this next to Step Brothers, and, oh, my God, this is... Oof. It's like trying to compare Trump Brothers. It's, it's just deranged. All right, well, look, Thursday is out of curiosity if you want to watch it. Andrew <laughs> Watson is available on Amazon Prime. We probably would suggest that you don't. Um, but Friday next week, and we're actually going to be reviewing this um, the, in our next podcast, um, Army of the Dead is out on Netflix. Zack Snyder directed, D- Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, whole host looks like a great zombie apocalypse kind of movie i loved the trailer for this it looked really mm. exciting um and i'm really excited to kind of get my teeth into this and watch it next week um but alongside army of the dead we've also got next week as cinemas are opening up there are mm. other movies out that we are going to attempt to cover as much as we can which include rare beasts spiral which is a new saw spin-off Peter Rabbit 2, Van can go and see that one, and Army <laughs> of the Dead. Um, so, you know, things that we're going to shift, maybe shift and change the format a little bit to make way for all of these new releases. But I think that's exciting times. Yeah, it sounds like next week sounds like a little slice of normality-ish, I guess. I mean, I think Rare Beasts may be going to digital in tandem with its release. And don't forget as well, like certain films now, like as we go back into cinemas, it's worth remembering as well that if you don't feel safe going into cinemas straight away, that doesn't rule you out of seeing those films. In in some cases, like I know with Warner Brothers films, for instance, they have a deal in place where it's I think it's three either three weeks or thirty days, and they'll put they'll put it on on digital, you know, so you yeah. don't have to worry about missing out on your Disney films, for instance. Although I'll be really honest, I am quite tempted to just throw down the twenty quid and go and catch Godzilla and Godzilla versus Kong in IMAX finally, but because uh, I I need that in my life, I, I feel like there's a hole inside me that Godzilla v Kong in IMAX was going to fill and I've been robbed of it. But uh, a, a new Saw movie that that gets me out of bed in the morning. The thought that there yeah. is a new Saw movie and Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson are in it that is incredible. I am in. Yeah, I'm excited for that as well. So look, we will keep you. We will keep you guys posted. Like, I was so excited there, I couldn't even speak. Um, we will keep you posted on all of those. So stick with us here every Friday, as always, on Off Screen. But for now, we'll leave you with all of your big picks and offerings from this week uh, do not check out Under Gods but definitely watch Witches of Eastwick and definitely 100% avoid Holmes and Watson we are nothing but honest here on Offscreen so for now I've been Bex Perfect I've been Cradle to the Grave and we shall return 